Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. I have a special guest on the podcast with me today, Melanie Wellman Stroud. If you know her, you love her. For those of you who don't know her, I'll tell you a little bit about her background. She served in both the Kobe and the Tokyo, Japan South Missions. She graduated with a degree in special education from Brigham Young University. She has served in numerous church callings, including Relief Society President, Young Women President, Stake Young Women President, Gospel Doctrine Teacher, and her favorite calling of all, Nursery Leader. Melanie currently resides in both Arizona and Georgia with her adorable, handsome, hunky, as she affectionately calls him, second husband, Shane. These days, she is probably most well-known for her super fun, super spiritual podcast, Come Follow Me For Us. I have been there with her from the beginning, the first year of Come Follow Me, when she first started her podcast in the early days just after her divorce, when she poured out her heart and her faith and her testimony every week in her podcast in her own special way, and she helped all of us grow to love the scriptures and especially the Book of Mormon over the last four years. If you haven't listened to her podcast, Come Follow Me for Us, you have to do it. I first interviewed Melanie about a year ago. And if you haven't heard that podcast interview, you should definitely go back and listen to it. She shares her story of finding love and joy in her life after going through a really difficult divorce. It's podcast episode number 12, and it is so wonderful. You must go back and check it out. She has had some exciting things happening in her life over the last few months. So she is joining me today to give us an update and share some of the miracles and, of course, challenges that she has faced in her life. One of the miracles she shares is her son's conversion story. We discuss it briefly here, but I recommend that you listen to episode 33 of her podcast to hear all of the details. It is a beautiful story, and you won't want to miss it. She also has a new book coming out next month, and she's going to tell us all about that. So it is my pleasure to welcome her back for part two of our interview. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, not a problem at all. Not oh, a problem. I appreciate it. One of the challenging things about divorce is raising your children in the gospel when one parent leaves the church. This is something you and I have both dealt with and a situation that I know many people have faced. What is your advice for women in this situation? You know, <laughs> over the years, my advice has changed. I have, when my ex-husband first left the church, we stayed married for about eight more years after that. And so this wasn't just something that happened and we were divorced. You know, we divorced for other reasons. And when I left, when they were at my house, we would read scriptures together at night. We would go to church. And then one son was pretty antagonistic. He felt like 
the church was part of the reason we got divorced. And so he didn't want to have prayer and it, it just got tricky. And then my older son decided he didn't want to go to church anymore. And so it was all this, you know, conflict. And I think that each person really needs to pray about their situation because at the time I was like, well, in my house, we go to church and you go to church until you're 18, then you can make your own decisions. And I had a very personal experience with prayer. And I felt like the Lord said to me in my situation, I value agency and you've got to give these kids agency. And that was a really hard thing for me to say, okay, you don't have to go. And I'm not going to force scriptures down your throat. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to pray at meals and that, but I'm not going to do what I felt I wanted to do. I wanted to have scriptures every night. I wanted to have these things, but I felt like it was causing more animosity than it was good. Mm -hmm. And that was a hard thing for me to let go of. And I think it's hard. I think people have to pray about it because I would never tell somebody, just let them do whatever they want when they're 13 or 14. You know, like I'm not telling any parent that's the right thing to do. In my situation, I felt like it was the right thing to do. I believe that Heavenly Father loves my kids more than I love my kids Mm -hmm. and that he wants them to come back more than I want them to come back. And so I can try to force it all day long or I can love them all day long and tell them how amazing they are and what great kids they are and champion all the good things and never hide who I am or what I love. And my kids know that, but they also know that this is a safe place and Mm -hmm. they don't have to believe the same as me for me to love them the same. And that is something that I think a lot of parents have a hard time stepping back, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear. It might be the opposite of what you wanted to hear, but that's kind of what I had to do in my situation. No, I agree. And I feel like it's hard to do, very hard to do. And for me, it was very similar when I was younger and I was a younger mom. That's when I went through my divorce when I was 30 and my kids were, you know, younger. And I was more like you. I was like, this is how we're going to live in our house. And this is what we do. And whatever happens when you're with your dad, that's that's there. And I was more strict and you know structured. And I felt like I had to set the example and we had to have it in our home the right way. But as I've gotten older and I've had children who've left home and then decided to make different choices in their lives and, and leave the church for a while or you know decide they didn't believe, I had to learn that for myself that What was more important was my relationship with them and my love for them. And that they had to know no matter what they did in their life, I still loved them and they were still welcome and wanted. And that relationship was so important. And I didn't know that when I was younger. I I didn't have that experience. And it took going through it myself in order to accept that it doesn't really matter what they do. I love them no matter what. And they have their agency. And I think you made a really good point that can come younger, you know, 12, 13, they have a lot of freedom to make a lot of choices. And I think it takes a wise parent to, to allow that and say, I love you anyway. And it may not be everybody's choice. And I don't condemn that, you know, because definitely you feel very strong, like, and who knows the Sunday that you force them to church, whatever, that they don't hear the thing that they need, you know? So I'm not, I'm not saying that that's every every woman's choice. And I think that we put good pictures up. We talk Mm -hmm. kindly about their dad. We do things that make it feel different here. And it's enough. It's enough. And 
I just think that sometimes we try to force something too much when the spirit's there. You know, and President Iring said something once that I really liked, and he said, truth will find its own way. And I've kind of held on to that as a mom, like, Mm -hmm. I know what's true, and I know what's right. And I pray for these kids, and I love on these kids, and truth will find its way back into their lives. And it did with one of my kids. So you you just cross your fingers, it'll happen with all of them. So yes, and you make such a good point. It's such an individual decision. Every person has to make that choice for themselves. I agree with you. I don't think there's any one right way you have to decide for yourself. And I'm not judging anyone who decides to live strict or who doesn't. Right. That is a personal choice. And only you know what the spirit is directing you to do. But I, I feel like through my whole situation and helping other people with divorce, one of the things I've learned that's most front and center is you really have to be driven more by your love of the savior your love for wanting to live the gospel, not like the law of Moses, strict following all the rules, Right. more. I want to live this life because I love it. And I love the Lord. Yes. And I think when that's your driving motivation in your home and your life, then your children feel it. Other people feel it. You, you really lose control of a lot of things when you go through divorce, (laughs) a lot of things you you thought you had control over. And I think that's something I've learned is that really you can only control yourself and how, yeah. what is your motivation? Right. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, I love the story of the prodigal son because I love when the kid turns around and comes home. The dad's just watching for him. And that's how I feel with my kids. Like, mm-hmm. no, you can always come here. This isn't the place where like, I'm, oh, I can't believe you're doing, uh, you know, for sure. I, but I read the book from I think it was Tad Christofferson, um, Mm -hmm. Elder Christofferson's brother. And he was gay way back when, like, it was way more scandalous, I guess, you know, 40 years ago. And his parents told him when he came out, they said, we have two bedrocks of our life, our faith and our family, and we won't be complete without either of them. And when I read that book, he talked about how he was at dinner with his husband at the time, and he was drinking some wine and his dad asked him, so tell me why you like red wine more than white wine or something. And he said, I knew my choice was hurting my parents, but the fact that my dad would even ask that question or be interested in my life meant so much to me. And when I read that book, I thought, this is what I have to do with my children. Like, I love you. And I, they know that their choices may not be what you want. It's a beautiful thing, actually, when you feel that way, when you actually let go of, no, that's, we're not going to do that rule of, we're not going to break that rule in my house. And you actually feel like I love my son and I'm so glad he's asleep upstairs in that bedroom right now. Yeah. You know, whatever's happening, he's home and I'm so glad he's home. Right. And, and that boy is the boy that came back. And when he got his patriarchal blessing recently, he called me and he said, mom, it said that part of the reason I am where I am is because my family never stopped praying for me. And he said, I know that was you, you know? So uh, the thing that I've learned over the long haul is that Satan is the father of fear and Christ is the father of peace. And so if I'm afraid, oh, what's going to happen if, if they don't go to church with me or what is going to happen if they, you know, if dad tells them this one piece of information or whatever, then I'm going to live my whole life in chaos and in fear and Christ brings peace. And so if I say, 
He loves them more than I do. And they know what I love. You are always welcome here. This is, you know, whatever. And every once in a while, yeah, I'm going to send you a church talk and I'm whatever. And it's fine. (laughs) And I told, you know, I rolled, I said, roll your eyes and chuck it. But I'm always going to be that mom that if I do see something, it's not like I'm going to pretend I'm not who I am or whatever, but they know, they know. Oh, so good. That's beautiful. After growing up with divorced parents in a situation like this and in any home, kids grow up and they make their own choices. And sometimes that choice is to leave the church. And you and I both know as a faithful mother who has been that one praying and trying to live the gospel and, you know, be a single parent for a time, that's heartbreaking and it's hard. And it's something that you discussed on your podcast as you were dealing with your children making those choices. So I'd love to know your advice for people when your children leave the church, if there's anything more that we haven't already discussed. We discussed it a little bit, but I would (laughs) love to hear your son's story. Well, I think think I've said what to do is that you've just got to come to peace with it. And even still, you know, like I have one son that I really hope hoped would get on a mission, you know, and I feel very like, what can I do? How can I get him on a mission? He doesn't believe like, ah, and I finally, you know, that song from frozen just comes in my mind, like, (laughs) let it go. Let it go. I think, like I said, I just think you have to leave it in the Lord's hands. Pray hard. Mm -hmm. Say, if there's something I can say or do that will help, please prompt me. And with my son, I will tell you that he had been out of the church for seven years. And a girl that they had been friends young in the ward, and she was on a mission. And then she came home from her mission and they started dating and he didn't want to go back to church. You know, he started going for her, but Uh long story short, in the end, it was the Book of Mormon that brought him back. And when he had this powerful experience one night when he was had finished reading the Book of Mormon and was, you know, doing the thinking and the praying, he said, you know, my what my mom always said about praying and then opening the scriptures to find an answer. Um, I thought I would try it. And so he prayed and opened the scriptures and had a powerful experience where he realized that God was real and and all the things. And he just that sentence, like seven years later, I remember what my mom has always said. Oh. So You know, and somebody said on the podcast one time, they wrote it on Instagram and it was the best advice ever. They said, we're told in the proclamation to raise children in righteousness, but it doesn't say to raise righteous children. And I was like, you know, there's something to that, like teach them correct principles and let them govern themselves or whatever. But I did raise my kids in a righteous home. I did teach them when they were young, the things. And so- when they return to it later, it's in them, you know, it's in them. And it's very hard to stray very far. My other kids who don't go, like one son the the other night ended up at this party where everyone was drinking and he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't do drugs. He does. He's like basically a member. And I just think, you know, it's in them. It's Mm -hmm. in them. And it doesn't, you know, some lady wrote something one time I have a page on my website that's like advice for parents, but this one oh, lady wrote cool. me another powerful, powerful letter that was about how it it's her and all her siblings left the church, but 
they all found their way back because it was in them, you know? And, and I, I think that's that. just the thing, you know, mm-hmm. we do what we can, we teach them and we can't beat ourselves up all day. That's another thing. I think women take on a lot of guilt. Like, why did I not teach them enough? I wasn't good enough. Well, I didn't do family home evening. We didn't make a mobile about, you know, Noah's <laughs> Ark when they were three. And so yes. I probably failed in all the ways. Yes. And I think when we can get past the guilt of thinking, we failed in all the ways as a parent and, and have some confidence in, I taught them the gospel when they were young Mm -hmm. and I love them now and it'll find their way back to them. And Mm -hmm. whether in this life or the next. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's such good advice. I love what you said that we have to just accept it, whatever they choose and love them anyway, love them. And I love that thought that we don't raise righteous children. We raise them in righteousness and then let them choose for themselves. Yeah. And that sometimes is a hard thing, but Satan's plan is to force people to do stuff, right? Yes. That's not God's plan. And so when we feel like forcing, sometimes I just want to force them, like Mm -hmm. do what I say. It's better Mm -hmm. for you. Then I think about I have a plan, you know, my turn on earth comes in your head and you're like, yeah, no, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to do that plan. That's not the right plan, but. Oh, it's so beautiful. So your son who was out of the church for seven years, he started going to church. He started doing all the things, but he wasn't feeling it. And then her mission president, she had been a missionary at Temple Square and they went to Temple Square and she started showing him all the things. And the more excited she was getting, the sadder he started getting. And he was just like, I've got to break up with this girl because I don't believe any of this. And then her mission president asked my son, like, I challenge you to read the Book of Mormon in 60 days. And he just looked at him and laughed and said, no, no, thanks. And then when he went home, he was feeling really bad about it and, you know, thinking he was going to lose her. And so He's like, what could it hurt? And he started listening to it while he was working for like four hours a night and had some really sweet experiences until that night when he finished it and had a profound experience that he knew it was the right thing. And they were civilly married recently. And in the next couple of months, they're going to get sealed in the temple. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the greatest story. And, you know, in the meantime... In the meantime, my oldest daughter, who was married in the temple, her and her husband have stopped going. And so, you know, like one comes and some others go. So true. But, I know. But, but, man, you have to have hope. You just have to say, like, if if that son can't, could come back, anyone could. Because we sat in his backyard one night and he said, I will never go back to that church. And I said, yes, you will. And he goes, no, I won't. And I said, no, you will. I said, Heavenly Father told me that you would, you know, I had a great experience that all my kids would come back at one point. And he goes, I won't. And I go, do you want to make a bet? And he's like, yeah. So we shook hands and we bet like a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. We can't remember, but, <laughs> but when he recently, like after he had come back, he said, um, mom, I think I owe you some money. And I'm like, what? And he goes, do you remember that bet? And I was like, oh yeah, you do. So, you know, Aww. like you just have to say, have faith in the Lord, have faith in his timing. There was a talk at conference that really helped me that first year I got divorced that said, Christ loves to like sweep away the underbrush mm-hmm. and give people a fresh, like a pure judgment. And I think, you know what that means? He's going to sweep off what a stepdad said or what a 
you know, an ex-husband said or what a mom twisted things. Like he's going to sweep away all that and say, would you have accepted the gospel had all of these factors been gone? Right. You know, and he's going to judge our kids and sweeping away the mess and judging their hearts. We have to have faith in a savior that sweeps away the mess and looks at our children's hearts. Because when I get more, the more over four years of come follow me and of talking about it every single week, I just love Jesus. And I have come to this point where I think he's so merciful and he's going to judge those kids and he's going to shake off all the stuff. And and if we have faith that he's going to be a perfect judge, then we can stop worrying so much, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of our journey. That's our part in it is having enough faith to trust that he's going to do that for them. We yeah. it's our job. We feel so much responsibility as mothers and women and especially in when you're divorced and you're the one that stays faithful and you just feel like I'm carrying this alone and I'm the one that's got to stay strong for my kids, but we have to also grow our faith and trust in the Lord that, like you said, he loves them more than we can even understand. And he's working in their lives. Even when we don't see it, he's still there working and we have to trust they're okay. They're working it out their own way. And if we're so caught up in our anger towards our ex or, you know, snarly, like, I can't believe he's teaching him these things or whatever, then we're not giving place in our heart for the Savior who's going to calm us down, who's going to bring us peace. If we stay in that snarly land yes. of being angry and mad at the ex for whatever reasons, and people have great reasons and people have petty reasons and mm-hmm. people, whatever, but if we stay in that snarly place, then the Savior's not, we're not making room for the one thing that we need the most, and it's peace. So true. And that's what they need to feel. They need to feel the yes. contrast, like you said. Yes. We need to peace. exemplify that, have the peace in our home. So look so what Jesus can do for you. He can make you whatever. And I want to add, too, that when my son was married civilly a few weeks ago, it was amazing because... I was tying the corsage on my ex-husband's girlfriend and I'm tying the corsage on her. And we took a picture, him and his girlfriend, me and my husband and all the kids together. And I was so proud of us that that day was not about us in any way. It was not about tiptoeing around mom and dad and exes. And we were all there to celebrate that joy. And Mm -hmm. when we can give up our garbage Mm -hmm. to the Lord and say, just help me to love these kids and to love my ex in a way that makes my kid's life halfway decent. Like, let it not be about me when it's their special occasions. Oh my gosh, what a gift that is to give your kids. Like I just was so, so grateful that day as I was, I just, as I was tying that corsage on her, I just thought I could have so many reasons to be just angry and I'm not. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. And And you got to feel joy. You got to have joy too. You got to enjoy your day and have the joy of the moment. It wasn't robbed by you feeling angry or resentful. You got to have the joy. So beautiful. And that I could hug their dad and say, look at these beautiful kids we raised, you know, like it's, it's the goal. And I know it's hard and I know people make things horrible. And I really feel like you know, my husband wasn't horrible in the divorce. My ex-husband wasn't. And, and so that makes it easier. I know people are horrible, but I really do think it was just a lot of prayer, like just to help me to not be angry. Mm -hmm. 
So true. Well, I, I appreciate you coming back, re- getting back together with me almost a year later from our first interview and following up with all this good news about your son and your life. And it's just so wonderful. And my final question for you today is what does finding joy in your journey mean to you? It means everything. It means everything. And I think the only place we can find joy is in Jesus Christ, because he's the one that brings the peace. He's the one that allows us to forgive. He's the one that can comfort us when we're brokenhearted over, you know, our children or when we're worried or whenever else. And I think I've just come to this grown up place in my life that says, if I want to have joy, I have to turn it all over to the Lord. And he's there waiting to carry our burdens and waiting to fill us with joy. So if you're feeling terrible, just dive into the scriptures. Just learn more about Jesus because he'll bring joy. Yes. I love that. I think you have done such a wonderful job of teaching all of us how to do that. And I know I appreciate that. I have learned from you. It's changed my scripture study these last four years. I'm so grateful to you for that. And so proud of you for writing a book. Tell us all about it. Your new book. I can't even believe it. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm so happy. And it's amazing. Like, I'm just like, wow, how, (laughs) how did you do that? Wow. It's 30 years in the making. It's something (laughs) I've wanted to say for 30 years, but it's a simple, like five-step method for studying the scriptures, but it really changes the game and it allows you to receive revelation. And in this world we live in, you need to know what heavenly father wants you to do. And it's so easy to hear his voice in the scriptures, especially the Book of Mormon. So, and it's kind of silly. It's like the podcast. It's not all just preachy, preachy. It's a little crazy too, but it's, um, it's done. And that's all I have to say. I can't wait to read it. I'm dying. So when is it coming out? What is it called? Give us all the details. It's called Feasting on the Words of Christ. And hopefully by Valentine's Day, we're almost there. So we're just in the last you know, last little few legs of this. And so hopefully by Valentine's, it'll be out. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Okay, my fingers are crossed and I'm praying and I can't wait to buy it and read it. And I know it'll be awesome. You're amazing. Thank you so much. So so grateful that you came back and updated us and shared your testimony again. And you're just a light to the world. And I am so grateful for you. Thank you. Well, you're so nice. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes and share this episode with a friend so we can help women all over the world find hope and healing in their lives. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work and learn the tools and the skills that you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to ldsdivorce.com and join my Joy in Your Journey program. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.